everybody gets anxious. If you're not getting anxious, you're probably not pushing yourself to the maximum because that means you're, you're maybe freewheeling it a bit. I think a little bit of anxious and a little bit of stress and a little bit of worry, certainly from my experience, have pushed me to make some of my, my best content when I've been up against the wall. Welcome to the We Are Photographers podcast from Creative Live. I'm your host, Kenna Klosterman, bringing you true stories from behind the lens and behind the lives of your favorite photographers, filmmakers, and creative industry game changers. From their struggles to their wins, we get the real human stories about why they do what they do. I believe there is something to learn from everyone's story. Listen, get inspired, and discover why, in the end, your creative journey is all worth it. This is We Are Photographers, and these are our stories. We have Mr. Gavin Hoey joining us for the very first time on Creative Live, all the way from the UK. And Gavin Hoey, you might best know him from Adorama TV and his own YouTube channel. He has been doing uh, photography videos and tutorials for probably the longest of maybe anybody. Um, and I say that because he was a very early adopter. And uh, he, again, has grown, helped grow Adorama to 1 million people following on YouTube. He is on there every other week uh, creating videos. And if you go and you look at the comments uh, on his videos, he's just beloved by so many people all over the world for his amazing style of teaching. He is also an Olympus ambassador, Olympus UK ambassador. And I'm just excited to have him here to join us uh, and you guys are as well. So please help me welcome Gavin Hoey. Hey, Kat, yeah. how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Super excited to have you on Creative Live finally after many, many, many years. It's, it's been a while. We've, yeah, I've, I've been watching Creative Live for a long time. So this, this is really strange for me. It's really exciting. <laughs> so yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is great. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I do. I want to look over and see where people are tuning in from. We've got John in Philly. We have uh, Medicong Emmanuel, who's joining us from Lagos, Nigeria. And this is his first time joining us. Uh, we have Cooley from Indiana, Monica from Austin, Robert also from Texas. Uh, we've got another person from Rome, Italy, Michelle Moore in Australia. Love it. Uh, Roy Bridgewood, who says, Gavin is a great bloke. Well worth a watch. Uh, Turkey, Istanbul, oh. Alpharetta. This is my favorite part, Gavin. And um, Roy, you must also be a bloke in the UK because... <laughs> What yeah, we, we all say that all the time in the UK. We call everybody blokes. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic, isn't it? It's, it's really good. I mean, at the moment, everybody's stuck at home, or at least everybody I know is stuck at home. So it's really nice on, on these lives to, to actually reach out and, and meet people from all over the world. It's incredible. It is. It really is. And that's, you know, that that is the joy. Um, it is, as we are recording, it is... Uh, where are we? We're in January still uh, of 2021. And yet yep. <laughs> we're still uh, dealing with the pandemic. And I know you're in the UK and you're in full lockdown. So uh, not that I want to, uh, you know, harp on this, but how are you faring? How how are you doing? You know, I, I would say on the one hand, you're fortunate in that you are creating videos, which you can do from your little studio where you are. But you know, that's a challenge too. So yeah. how's, how, how are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm doing okay, all things considered. I don't think you can go much stronger than I'm doing okay at the moment because I don't think anybody's doing awesome. Um, we're doing what we can. Yeah, so at the moment in the UK, let's start on a really cheery note. We're all locked down. On a cheery note, we're all um, fine. Everybody's doing okay in my little bubble here. Um, yeah, I'm still working. So that's fantastic. I have been super, super lucky during the whole pandemic thing, because I was already working from home, uh, which made me slightly socially isolated already, which was kind of ahead of the curve, I guess. But um, it's, it's actually worked out all right. We're still making content. I'm still working with Adorama. Adorama have been phenomenal. And not just the company, but everybody behind the scenes as well. It's really nice to have some continuity, to have um, that that sort of 
every two weeks I'm making videos, I'm getting to talk to Adorama and I'm getting to see comments from the, the viewers. It's lovely to have a bit of consistency in your life. So yeah, doing all right. You, you know, like you said, like, I'm okay today or what, you know, what have you, but yet like your enthusiasm still, you know, <laughs> makes us all feel good and comes through. And um, again, I think that part of what, it, I guess I want to flip it and say, what do you think has made you be able to be creating videos for 12 years on your own channel, you know, many eight, nine years with Adorama? Like, okay, well, maybe before you go there, because that's you know kind of a touch, tough question perhaps no, to ask. You can, you can ask that. <laughs> um, but... Well, okay. So let me, let me, let's, let's talk to that. What do you think has, has kept you going this whole time? Um, it's a good question because it is really, really hard. So yeah, I, I think it's 13 years I've been making YouTube videos. I think this is my 13 year, uh, nine years with Adorama. Uh, but before that, if you go back before that, I was making, uh, video tutorials for magazine cover discs. Anyone remember those? Remember magazines had little CDs on the front? This is literally when you, you, you know, that's in your bio. And I didn't say it out loud because I was like, okay, we're, I'm going to ask him about this. Like, I didn't know what you meant by cover discs. <laughs> like, yeah. what is he talking about? Oh, you're too young, Kenna. <laughs> so you wouldn't remember. No, I'm not. I, I'm not. Once I, once I figured out what you meant, I was like, oh, yeah, but let's, what are cover discs? Yeah, yeah okay. For, for the, the younger audience that don't remember these sorts of things, back in the day, I used to write for a magazine called Digital Photo Magazine, which was, I think, one of the top two magazines in the UK. And I started writing for them, I think it was about 2000, 2001. And they were basically Photoshop or Paint Shop Pro magazines. Yeah, now Paint I'm... Shop Pro. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I used to uh, write uh, a written tutorial and make a, uh, a screen recording of a technique. And I did that every month for 16 years. Back in my early days, I'd actually make them in uh, Photoshop Elements and then the same tutorial in Paint Shop Pro. Um, I mean, it was, was nuts and, and it was really hard back then. So back then, none of the technology that you're looking at or listening to right now existed. It just wasn't a thing. And I had to work out how to record the screen using some, some very expensive and very clunky software. And I could only record one minute at a time before I had to stop, render it, and start again because back then the computers just couldn't handle that much data. Um, it was nuts. How did I get? How did on earth did I ever make that uh, work? So if you think it's it's hard to make content now, I've been doing it since two thousand, <laughs> and things have changed vastly. But one thing that really hasn't changed is learning. People still want to learn, so there is always new people coming in. It, it was really lovely. Back in the early days of the magazines, oh, it was so much better. You could write the same article every three years on rotation, pretty much. And the reason for that is readership. People would read the magazine for three years and then you know, not subscribe. You, you, can't, you can't really do that with the internet. <laughs> people don't not subscribe to YouTube. So um, yeah, it's tough, but... Yeah, I love it. I, I guess I can keep coming up with content because I enjoy doing it to answer your original question. I mean, but that's the thing it is, I mean, first of all, that's like incredible longevity. And it, it is funny to, to think that, you know, that, that, that how the technology has, has traveled so far. And especially this year, I mean, so many people are now going, you know, live streaming, not just the, you know, the, not just putting out YouTube videos that are pre-recorded. Uh, but, but going back to, I mean, how are you, you know, okay. So before it was like every three years, you could utilize the same thing. What's your process in terms of coming up with, with new content on the regular? Yeah, it's, it's not easy. Um, it really isn't. And it, you think, well, one video every two weeks and they're only 10 minute videos. How hard could that be? It's really, really challenging to come up with new content that, I enjoy doing because one of the, the fantastic things about working with Adorama is they just don't tell me what to do. They, they really do give me a blank canvas of use our products, make us a video, get it in on time. And that's, that's kind of 
more or less what the contract says with them, I guess. And it, it can be um, difficult to come up with ideas, but by and large, the easiest way I've found over the years is to do something that you enjoy doing. So every video I make, I've enjoyed doing and I've wanted to, to, to do. It's, it's not something that's been forced. It's not something that I've had to do. But to clarify that, there are days where it is impossible. I can sit at my computer for hour after hour making Pinterest boards of absolutely nothing and thinking, well, well, that's it. I, I don't think I can make another video. I think, yeah, I think that's, that's it. I'm done. And then you kind of step away and you, you sort of come back to it. And, and yeah, you know, the, the deadline looms. And it's amazing what having a deadline and, a, and bills to pay will do for your creativity. <laughs> it really does make you um, to focus in. Um, so, yeah, I, I do it because I love it and, and I make the stuff that I love. Well, I think that is really, like you said, what, what comes through is the um, when you have the enthusiasm and love for what you're doing, um, then that energy actually travels through the screen to um, the people. Gavin, I'm just like, I'm watching so many comments come in uh, that people are just, you know, your, your fans. And I know you don't like to talk about yourself. <laughs> It is which my is, least favorite subject. Yes, which it is, really is. Which is ask, why ask me anything about here. the technical bits. But no, of course, yeah, <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, yeah, it's it's a very British thing, you know. That's uh, <laughs> talking about yourself is um, it's not uncomfortable. It's just uh, as as people who have seen my content will know uh, that I tend to talk about um, the technical bits. Um, is my is what I'm most comfortable talking about. That definitely is my my area of, of um, enjoyment. I like seeing people learn from what I'm doing rather than necessarily what I've done, if that makes sense. It's, um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's an odd world that we live in when you're on YouTube because people watch the videos and they think they kind of know me and they, they, they know, they, but that's not quite, that's a little snippet of, of my life. A 10 minute YouTube video, can take me a, a week to plan, shoot, edit, and finish. Uh, a lot of um, stress and strain can go into that. Oh, absolutely. And people don't see that part necessarily. Like, even if we kind of know that it's happening. Um, so, so what is... I don't, I don't want to ask you your deepest and darkest secrets. <laughs> but... but Let's go back then to like to young Gavin, uh, pre-creating tutorials for cover discs. Um, where Can we where go back did you? That far? That's a long. Yes. That is a long way back, Kenneth. You're you're talking many many years. But go on. You, you're going to head back to my early photography days, hopefully. Well, or even pre-photography. Like, where did you grow up? What would were you? What were you interested in as a kid? I mean, you talk about liking the technical, liking to figure out and figure out how to break down and explain the technical aspects to people. Like, were mm -hmm. you into like engineering stuff as a kid? Like, tell me about yeah, young Gavin. Yeah. Oh, so the the really early years. So. Um, if, if you want to go back that far, the technology was something that I actually hooked onto fairly early. And I was, I was quite lucky. So my dad, for reasons I don't understand to this day, bought a, uh, a Sinclair ZX81. Uh, I don't know if they ever made it over to the States, but over in the UK, that was pretty much one of the first consumer um, computers that you could actually buy for, for, for not crazy amounts of money. It had, wait for it now, it had 1K of memory, 1K, yeah. And uh, I, I worked hard. I did a paper round and I bought a 16K RAM pack that you could stick on the back for an extra 17K in total. Um, and what used to happen back in those days, there were magazines that you could buy and printed in the magazines were computer programs that you could type in. So you type basic and you would sort of, you know, 10 title, 20, go to 10 and that kind of thing. It was basic was a language that I learned off the back of magazines. And what I also learned was that you didn't put it in the first month because the second month would be the corrections because they missed a semicolon out somewhere and the program wouldn't work. So I learned to program a uh, ZX81 when I was 
crikey 12, I suppose. And uh, that was kind of my, my introduction into computing. I went on and bought my own ZX Spectrum. I mean, we're talking cutting edge now, Kenna. We are talking the creme de la creme, uh, Manic Miner, Jetpack. I was awesome at all the computer games back then. <laughs> so, so yeah, I had a, an upbringing in computers. And then I just dropped out of technology. I, I got a, a job in a bank. That lasted about six months because the 1980s were a great time to work in a bank. <laughs> Just dreadful time. Uh, then I got a, a job um, training to be an optician, and I spent four years uh, doing a correspondence course on that, which basically took over my life. And once I got all that out of the way, I kind of didn't really go back into technology at all. And it wasn't until 1997, I suppose, and I got a, a, a tiny computer. There was this company called Tiny just up the road from where we live, and they literally built a computer for you. It was quite remarkable that you buy a computer. No, no, you had to go to a factory where they would build one and then you could take that home. It was nuts. And uh, yeah, and I, I got back into computing and it was exactly roughly the same time that digital imaging was starting to happen. So I got my first digital camera in 99, which was an Olympus 2020Z which was a little compact digital camera, brilliant little thing. Um, but before that, I'd been doing, uh, getting Kodak to scan my slides onto to discs. And I was having a whale of a time. Just, I made some of the worst photos you could possibly imagine in Photoshop. I did some crimes to photography that I should be barred for life from ever touching a computer again. But it was the early days. It, we, we, were, we were all playing around with stuff. And... And it just sort of grew from there. I was just in the right place at the right time. The magazine stuff came around because I just had a, a flash of, of confidence to say, I can do this. And they were asking for, for people to write articles. And I just wrote in and said, yeah, I can write a better article than you. I just got lucky. Right place, right time, right technology. Everything just sort of slotted into place. So there you are. That is a potted history of my formative years. But but looking back, I mean, I did some some dreadful things. I'm I'm pretty sure. I mean, you've been with Creative Live a long time. I, I suspect if you go back and look at the early things, there were some things where we, we'd look at them and go, we we wouldn't do that now. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, no, I I don't want to go back and look at the early days of me hosting, and you know, because you start something and you're building it, and you don't really necessarily know what you're doing, uh, but you know, and like you said, technology changes and all of these things, you know. But you're you when you love what you're doing, and you just there's this part of having to be okay with it being messy or be okay with it not being perfect um, and and just allowing for that growth. Are there, are there, like, how are you with regard to, like, self-criticism or <laughs> allowing things to not be perfect? Or I've heard you say that you're, you know, kind of a, like, you edit your own videos, you like to kind of control things. So yeah. let's, let's go into that a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I am a slightly a control freak about the the video content because I'm, I'm perhaps not very good at delegating. Well, I'm not very good at delegating. I know that for sure. Um, but also, I'm not very good at necessarily getting the ideas over to other people. They're they're up here. They're in my head. I I know. I can see it. I can visualize it. And I can't always get that to happen, but I know roughly what I want to happen. So uh, I, I I do that, but. Um, I am my own worst critic. I am terrible. I, I will edit a video and maybe it's because when you edit a video, you do spend this huge amount of time watching it in minute detail and you can hear every time you've said, um, uh, or so, oh my goodness me, how many times have I started the tape with the word so? Sam, my wife Sam is usually behind the camera, says, you know, any word but so. Just start with anything, just not so. <laughs> okay, no, that's worse. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very bad at that. And, uh, yeah, I, I'll edit a video. Having seen it so many times, I'm then very much done with the video and done with the, the photos and moving on as well. I, I kind of like to look forward. I don't really 
tend to look back too much because, I mean, goodness me, if you ever get the chance to go back and watch my first video, if you suffer from insomnia, that's the cure. It really is because it's wooden, it's slow, it's plodding. I mean, I've got less gray hair, so that is a bonus, but that's pretty much the only good thing about it. Do you remember what the content was of that uh, of that first video? And because this now has, you know, this has how many views? One and a half million, two million views, or it it, it what what was the content of that first one? My very first video was actually uh, a studio. Uh, <laughs> that's not the right word, but it was a studio based uh, video. It was actually at the back of my house in my conservatory and we put a white sheet up complete with creases and everything. I mean, it was terrible. And it was my daughter who, my, my daughter now bearing in mind, she's, uh, well, she's in her twenties and she works for Canon. Back then she's a little tiny, tiny little child throwing plastic balls at my head. So it was, it was how to photograph children to, uh, to get this sort of creative uh, um, uh, portraits of children. And um, yeah, and it came about, it came about because of the magazine. So the magazine I was writing for, I, I'd written an article on how to merge images together. That was the basics of the article. And it was how to take three images of a child throwing a ball at your head and making a triptych of the same and just merging it together, nothing complicated. And at that time, I was getting frustrated with the magazine because they weren't pushing forward. It was the same old, same old. And I said, look, I, I'm going to make a, a video of me shooting the photos for the magazine. And I didn't tell the magazine. I just did it. And back then, I filmed it on a camera that had a tape. So it was a tape camera. I had to get the tape and ingest it in. And it, was, it took me hours and hours and hours. I sent it to the magazine, and they said, oh, no, we, we don't want that. <laughs> That's no use to us at all. What are we going to do with that? No one's going to watch that content. No one's going to be interested. They want to see Photoshop tutorials, not photography tutorials. So I put it on this little tiny website called YouTube that no one had heard of. It was 2006, 2007. Um, yeah, so I put this little, little video on YouTube. And basically, I forgot about it. It was like, there you go. Get rid of it. It's done something. And it was uh, about a week later, I went and looked, and it had a 1,000 views. It's like, what's, what's what? <laughs> Who, were there a 1,000 people stuff? on YouTube then? <laughs> I don't think there were back then, to be honest with you. It was incredible. There were so few people. Um, so I, I kind of just put some more videos on. So um, yeah, I've totally forgotten the question, but there you are. <laughs> Was there a question in that one? I there there may have been a question, but now I've forgotten it too because I was, I was, I, I got caught on your, um, you mentioning that your daughter now. Oh well, I think the question was about your first YouTube video. Uh, but oh. uh, your can your daughter works for Canon, and you I are of course a longtime Olympus and Olympus ambassador. Did you? Uh, is that like how does that work in your relationship? Yeah, um, it, it works fine. So uh, Canon, uh, like Olympus, like Nikon, like all of the uh, the camera companies that we know are camera companies, they're not. They are they're much much bigger than that. So uh, although she works for Canon, she doesn't work in the camera department. Uh, however, if you're in the UK and you have a technical call on networking, you could get to speak to my daughter. You never know. So she's a tech specialist in networking. Um, so it, it doesn't really uh, cause any problems. Um, but yeah, I am a, an Olympus ambassador, but that doesn't mean to say that they're, I'm not embracing of other cameras. I mean, over the years, uh, I've used everything. I started with a Practica. Uh, I then moved on to a Minolta. Then I had a, an Olympus and then a Fuji and then a Canon, quite a lot of Canons, and then Olympus again. So you use the tools that are right for you as a photographer. So as I've gone through my photography uh, from way, way back uh, from to my darkroom days, I, I've used whatever I could afford that did the job that I needed it to do. At the moment, that's Olympus. And and I think that that's I mean thank you for saying all that because I it, you know we do we even though um, you know you and I are both in the business of educating people of get, you know allowing them to understand tools or what have you but it, then it's also the we also like to talk about it's not about the gear 
It's about you, the human, and what you're able to, you know, put out there in the world and take what's in your mind or your body and, you know, get it out there. And I think I, I've just been, I've just been asking people online, um, you know, what is it that you love most about? Because we've got a lot of, a lot of Gavin fans um, tuning in. And so uh, what is it that you love about Gavin's teaching style? And so uh, there's a, Gavin enjoys what he's doing and it's so very authentic. I appreciate that he doesn't go into gear wars uh, with a lot of expensive products. Instead, you show how to make great pictures with creativity and good ideas. So again, like coming back to that, you know, it, it's more about, like you said, finding the tools that work for you in the moment and now. Yeah, what absolutely. You... Go on. Yeah, far oh, away. I was kinda. just going to say, <laughs> what do you love about teaching? Yeah, it's an odd one, isn't it? Teaching is a strange thing. I had no idea how I ended up doing teaching at all because I have no, no qualification in it. I have no background particularly in it. Uh, I think probably the thing I enjoy most is seeing those little light bulb moments where uh, I, I'm, we're all learning. I'm constantly learning. I haven't stopped learning. The minute I stop learning, I probably will stop educating because that's enjoyable. It's good fun. Passing that on to somebody else is just the most wonderful thing. Seeing the, the, the enthusiasm that I have for the photography or whatever it is I'm teaching, seeing that get absorbed by other people, uh, seeing people take the ideas and reproducing them. So I get an awful lot of people sending me pictures that are very, very similar to what I've done, which is great because that does two things. First of all, that means that actually what I did actually worked, which is kind of nice to know because when you're sitting here, I mean, in, I'm in my small home studio. I know it worked here, but you're never really sure it's going to work for other people. Uh, and then secondly, it means that what I told them is actually understandable. What, what, I, what I told them, that sounds really egotistical. What I said, <laughs> I'm telling you, how to do this. <laughs> what, what the advice I passed on uh, was actually usable and that people could understand that, use it. But what I really enjoy, the things that really get me excited is when people take the idea that I've done and then twist it somehow. So they will add their own unique spin. So a lot of the times that's down to what you have. So I've got, I'm, I'm super lucky. I've got a small home studio. It's at the end of my garden. It's available to me 24 seven. Not that many people have such a luxury. You have to make the most of what you have. And if you can do that, if you can take somebody else's idea and say, okay, I like bits of that, but I'm going to have to modify it and use it in my own situation, then that is definitely the way you grow as a photographer. Not just making an exact carbon copy, but something that is different. Sometimes they don't go so well. Other times they're absolutely brilliant. And I sit there and look at them and think, damn, why didn't I think of that? And that, that's just wonderful. That's the best thing ever. Um, sometimes there, there have been occasions where I've looked at them and thought, there's another tutorial in that, <laughs> actually, um, which is kind of nice as well, because then that sets, sends me down a, a path of, uh, of something that I hadn't necessarily considered. So the thing I love about teaching is, is just watching people enjoy it and then watching people use that knowledge to, to get their own enjoyment out of it. And that, that's just priceless. It really is. And I think, I mean, I can only imagine that that would be sort of what has kept you going uh, because, you know, now with technology, you are able to get that feedback. What I sound like so old with technology, but you are able to get uh, feedback from people in a way uh, more and more so. And I feel like that, you know, that, that is what, what keeps you going. Um, yeah, absolutely. You can. You can actually um, meet or virtually the, the people who inspire you and, and put your work in front of them. I mean, to be fair, if I sat and answered all of the questions that came in, I, I wouldn't actually get any work done, which is really frustrating because you want to, but you just, just can't. But at least you can 
put it out there. Uh, you can put it out to an audience that's wider than the group of people that you would normally meet and, and sort of discuss your photography with. So my, my early photography, I, I joined a camera club very, very early on in my photography. And what I found very quickly is that the camera club was a, a very closed shop of ideas. So people would be extremely good at a very small area of photography within that club. So you, you just ended up repeating the same stuff that other people had done. With the internet, obviously, everything is available to you and, and, and more. It's, it's just nuts the amount of stuff that you can see and create and learn from. So the pool of knowledge is much, much broader. Although there is something quite nice about having that small group as well. I, I, at the moment, camera clubs aren't happening. Um, I've done a lot of camera club talks, um, training, education. I've visited many, many camera clubs. And I think we need that as photographers. We also need the little groups as well as the big stuff. Sure. It's that combination of, of uh, not just also in normal times, in non-pandemic times, you know, having the online connections and also having those in-person connections as well, um, whether that's, you know, going on photo walks, you know, you know, in-person classes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what is the thing you least enjoy about teaching? Oh, least enjoy it. Yeah, there are some there are some drawbacks to it. Um, I, I guess the, the 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 trickiest thing if if you're gonna if you're gonna teach, there's a couple of things that you need to do. And I learned some things the hard way along the line. So the thing I least enjoy is being wrong. <laughs> and um, yeah, and it's happened. So back in the early early days, so. Uh, I'm trying to think how long ago it was. It's got to be really early YouTube days. Uh, I made a video tutorial and it was a real learning experience. I made a tutorial about how to make a, a clean white background in the studio. Okay, bread and butter stuff. Uh, long before I saw the Creative Live and Zach Arias class, which was just mind blowing. I mean, that was, that was crazy. So way, way before that. Um, and I remember and I can't remember where I got the information from, but at some point I was told that to get a pure white background, you just overexpose it by two stops, blah, 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 that job done. So, and it technically that works, but it doesn't work. And that's what I didn't do. I made a video saying, okay, you want a pure black back, a white background, you just overexpose it by two stops and it worked. And I had this uh, message on uh, a comment left on the video by uh, um, a guy called Frank Dorhoff that you might know the name. Yeah, I didn't know the name at the time. Um, so Frank, bless him, very, very politely left a message saying, lovely video, but you're wrong. That's not right. You really should have done, done it properly, exposed for the back of the head and exposed for the, the background and made sure that it is at least equal or more. And I didn't. And I remember seeing that comment and thinking, who is this guy? Who is this guy telling me that I'm doing? What does he know? And I, did, I, I was going to write back, and I hope I didn't, I might have done, a rude comment saying, oh, I think I know better. I didn't. I went away and I thought about it and I realized he was right. He was absolutely spot on. The information that I'd given was wrong. It was fundamentally wrong. And people have watched it. And people... I, you know, I learned from that and they'd learned wrong. That was painful. I learned that that was, a, that was not a good thing to do. So now whenever I'm, I'm doing a, a, a tutorial, if it's not something that I'm 100% confident about, and I'm not confident about anything, so that means everything I do, I will practice and check and double check and triple check. So I'll go through it. Does it work? I will be the model. I will stand here and I will take the photos. I will delete them immediately because nobody needs to see those. But I'll make sure it works. I'll make sure that the, the technique is doable with the equipment that I say it is and that it doesn't need a massive amount of, of Photoshop to, to get to the end result, that what I'm teaching is actually accurate. So the thing I hate most is a, me getting it wrong, followed immediately by everybody else that gets it wrong. So I watch quite a few videos on YouTube and occasionally I, I see things that aren't quite right. And one day, one day can I, I will make a fake YouTube account where I can leave some actual comments. 
<laughs> you could have done that long ago. <laughs> I could, but you know, it's it's not really me. Uh, but yes, I'm, no, I'm more not. a shout at the keyboard person rather than hammer away at the keyboard. I think is probably um, fair to say. But um, yeah, so is, uh, getting it wrong. Which, oh. Yeah, yeah, which is respectable. Um, but you know, maybe there was you know, thanks to Frank, maybe there is a lesson in you know how you approach things differently moving forward did you in that in that specific instance did you go back and make another video and be like yes I was wrong I did yeah absolutely right I did a couple of things actually to try and put that right first of all I did make another video so I had a random um, email New Year's uh, was it Christmas Eve one year Christmas Eve I got this email from Hasselblad Hasselblad emailed me saying, do I want to come and try one of their cameras at their studio? It's like, yeah, of course I do. Um, so I thought, well, there's no better place to put it right than Hasselblad. So I'm standing there with a 30,000 pounds camera and, um, and, and making a, 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 a video that put it right. So I, I did that and made a, a video and I went into the comments and sort of pointed people from the wrong video to the right video just to say, go watch this video. Um, and then I got kind of lucky in some respects, or maybe. Uh, I was in uh, Florida. I, I won a competition that Adobe set up called the Next Photoshop Evangelist in 2011. So I was uh, lucky enough to win the prize, which was to go and speak at Photoshop World uh, on the Adobe stand. It's brilliant, fantastic couple of days. At the end of the, the show, they had a wrap party for all of the presenters. And I was invited to this, this wrap party by um, the, the lady from Adobe who was looking after me. She said, oh, do you want to come up? Everyone's going to be there. I ran up the stairs. I was there. And I had no idea who half these people were. But in the corner was Frank. So I, I, Frank <laughs> was, uh, was sat there. So he was chatting away. I mean, Frank is a star. He really is. And at the end of it, we, were, we had, had to go. And I said, to, I said I just, I've just got to interrupt Frank and just say, you've no idea who I am. <laughs> but some years ago, you wrote a comment that changed my, my philosophy. So uh, thank you very much. You were right. So I got to apologize to Frank, which I think is pretty good. I think that's really cool. Uh, did he remember? Did he remember putting that comment? No, no, no he didn't remember. <laughs> didn't remember at all. I'm sure he'd written that comment on a lot of other people's videos as well. No, no, he didn't. But he was extremely um, polite. I want to talk about confidence. You mentioned that you know you if you if you aren't inherently confident in something which you've learned uh, that you know we all make mistakes putting something out there in public when you're wrong, you know, that, you know, that definitely makes you, you know, question things. We, you know, we've all done it, but why do you think you're not, why do you say you're not confident? Oh, cause I'm a photographer and I think we're all inherently unconfident. It seems to be a fairly common trait amongst photographers. Um, I, I don't know. It's not that I'm not confident. It's just, I just, I'm my worst critic. Um, so, I, I'm confident in, in what I'm teaching. I'm confident in the technical bit. That bit, completely confident in. Not a problem. I think it's more the aesthetic side of things. I think maybe if you're trained in the arts, if you have an art background, if you understand what makes good art, then maybe you could become more confident in that. Where I'm not confident is that because, I don't know, I like some art. I like don't like other stuff that people say that they like. I don't know why. Um, so I, I think that's perhaps it. It's, it's down to not having uh, an innate knowledge. I couldn't draw you a picture. If you ask me to draw something, a stick man is the end of my, my drawing ability. It really is bad. Uh, so I don't have art in my veins. So I compensate with that with the technical and I do the best I can, and I'll make my, my photography, and I'll look at it, and I'll say, yeah, I like that. And then I'll look at it tomorrow, and I'll say, yeah, it's okay. And by the end of the week, having edited it, I'm oh, goodness mate, right, let's just do something else. Let's just move on. I'm sick of that one now. And by the time, because it, the way it works with the creating videos is I'm always working ahead. So uh, especially at the moment with the pandemic, uh, we worked several months ahead. So 
when we knew we were going to be locked down, we filmed a whole bunch of videos before lockdown, which makes them a bit weird when you watch them because I'm not wearing a mask or I'm not doing the right things for today because we filmed them in September when everything was different. So I, you, you film a whole bunch of things and then that means they have been on my hard drive for months. So now when I come to look at them, I've moved on. <laughs> it's like, I'm over that. I want to do something else now. Maybe that's it. So maybe, maybe it's a lack of artistic knowledge and maybe it's a lack of attention to sort of, uh, my attention span can be quite short. Interesting. Uh, I, but I think, is there a point then where you are able to just let go of things? Yes. Because <laughs> you talked about control, you know, but yeah. can you also let go? Yes. I mean, um, letting go in as much as once it's out there, it is out there and you cannot take it back on the internet. So my magazine days, those got pulped. Those have disappeared. Those have been thrown away. Uh, my earliest stuff on the internet is still there. I, I, I say, I'm not sure I can delete some of them because they were made for other people. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's you have to let go because otherwise you will just keep looking backwards. And that's one of the reasons I can't go back and answer comments from, from videos from many, many years ago. It's partly I can't remember what I did. Um, that's, that's part of the problem is I can't remember the nuance of why I did something. Um, but also you, you just have to keep going forwards because I've got another video to get out in 10 days time. So, you know, that's, that's my focus now. It has to be what's coming next. It's, it's a tough world being an online person. It really is. And, it, and I don't say that from a, an egotistical point of view. It's just that is modern life. And I think a lot of people, you, you are, you're either focused on the past um, or and which might cause, you know, certain types of stresses or focused on the future, which also can cause anxiety. And, and um, do you... Do you experience anxiety? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course, absolutely. Um, yeah, when, when I'm getting a creator's block, creator's block is just the most horrible thing ever. Uh, because, yeah, you, you start to think that you just can't think of another idea that either hasn't been done better uh, or that you haven't done before. Or there are some days where, you just can't think of anything. It's just like, I just genuinely can't think of anything today. It's just not happening. Um, so that really can make you uh, anxious. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky that uh, with my, my Adorama content, Adorama are great. Um, they are flexible and adaptable and um, they, they take a longer term view. So uh, I know I'll be creating content for the next year for them, which is terrific. Um, but other contracts, not so much. That is, um, yeah, um, things come and things go. Um, yeah, I get you get anxious. Everybody gets anxious. If you're not getting anxious, you're probably not pushing yourself to the maximum because that means you're, you're maybe freewheeling it a bit. I think a little bit of anxious and a little bit of stress and a little bit of worry certainly from my experience have pushed me to make some of my, my best content when I've been up against the wall slightly. And at the time, it's not always obvious that that's going to be the good stuff. At the time, you can think, yeah, that was, you know, that was a little bit forced. It was not quite what I wanted. Um, sometimes it's the ones where I haven't overworked the idea. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's a quick case of not overworking it. But um, yeah, a little bit of anxiety. It's okay. I don't, I don't get hugely stressed. I, I, I try not to get hugely stressed. My wife, Sam, might disagree. Well, I think there's a difference between stress and anxiety. Uh, but I'm curious, like if what you you obviously you push through that to continue to be that creative and like it's one thing to be aware of I've got this creative block you know I like see that but the 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 thing I think that then leads to stress is when you can't push through that um, anxiety that you might be experiencing in the moment like do you have things that Gavin Hoey does to sort of shake off the anxiety um no, not really. Keep going, keep going, keep going, and keep going. Um, yeah, um, I, I, not, I don't really have a strategy. I mean, I've taken up running during the pandemic. That's that's um, that's something. So 
pre-pandemic, I, I used to say to Sam that I came up with my best ideas um, when I was at the gym. Actually, I was in the jacuzzi, but you don't want to imagine that. That's an image you do not want to think about. But and I think maybe that's just because when you're switched off from technology. And um, yeah, so now I go out for a run in the mornings. That, that's kind of good to do. But um, no, I think really... For, for me personally, the way I get through it is just to keep going forward and creating. I create some really bad stuff. I mean, I, I've taken some photos where ideas are, are very much in their early stage. And you look at them and you think, this is never, ever going to become a usable image in any way, shape or form. But often, if you keep going, if you, you know, step back, have a break, come back to it, have a cup of tea, come back in, the ideas can evolve a little bit. So keep going forwards, keep trying ideas. One of the, the tips I, I learned from uh, a fellow photographer many years ago, uh, which is just the best bit of advice I can give other photographers, which is if it doesn't work, don't show anyone. I mean, you don't have to show everybody everything. You don't have to put every piece of work that you've ever created online. Just, just try and show your best stuff. If, if, if you're going to have to show something, make it as good as it can be. Often, the idea can be good at the time, and then you, you can come back to it later, a year later, two years later, and refine it further. So just keep going forwards. That's my technique. Well, I think it's interesting because I'm just, again, looking at comments coming through. And uh, Marius Volden has actually said... Uh, when we this came in when we were talking about confidence. The only thing I've been saying for years is that Gavin's got to work on his self-confidence and learn that us fans want to see everything that he thinks is trash so that we can, one, learn that he isn't perfect, and two, oh. <laughs> uh, simply learn from mistakes. So, and, yeah. and then he goes on to say, I wish he would make a video on how he gets an idea for a video. So there you go. There's a there's a video of you sitting there making making boards and you know making your mood boards and how it you know putting a camera into your brain and seeing the brain things work. But but I, we tried that. No, we we actually tried that. Yeah, we we did that. So um, Adorama are great. They they are very uh, laid back, but occasionally they give us some direction. And a couple of years ago. Uh, they, they said, okay, well, we want to try a slightly different direction. And uh, I pitched an idea to them, which was I would break down one of our shoots into three component parts. So the planning, the practice, and then the actual shoot. And I'd make each one a separate video to go through the stages. And I really enjoyed doing those. those. Those were really good because it really did break down the individual elements that aren't seen, warts and all. Um, Sadly, the, uh, the, the, the series wasn't picked up, which was a shame. But, uh, but th there are those videos out there. Uh, people tell me I should make an outtakes video, but really, I mean, there's not enough hours in the day. You, you would just <laughs> there's so many, so many outtakes and mistakes. But what I have done I, over the last few years, if you watch some of my, my current videos, you'll, you'll see me um, make not mistakes as much because it's, it's, it's almost planned a little bit because I want to show the build-up of the shoot, rather than just going in and saying, okay, here's the final image that I want to create. So I've got this wonderful idea. I'm going to create this image. I'm going to put a light here, light here, click. Let's do some, some B-roll. Let's do some music. Let's do some lifestyle. I don't, I don't do that. Uh, I, I like to go back and say, okay, here is where we're going to put the light. Here's why it doesn't work. Okay, we're going to make it a little bit better. We're going to change something. Okay, it's a little bit better. We're going to make it better still by putting a light in over here. Here's why that doesn't work. Let's move it around a little bit. So I, I quite enjoy building up the process from first principles to, you know, not failure as, as such, but why you might want to try something a little bit more advanced than just putting a light down. There's nothing worse. If you're an educator, it is great to make videos where you look good, but I'm not sure that necessarily helps anybody to get to that point. And there is a there is room on the internet for both. Um, I'm very much of the, the, the help you, the technical bit, rather than the, the, the amazing kind of background behind the scenes. You know, I'm amazing. It all worked. I put a light down and it just worked. That's not reality. That's not how photography works. Wish it did. Be a lot easier. 
if it was that easy, though, then, you know, maybe you wouldn't have had this successful of a career. <laughs> because, it might be, yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, a lot easier. of people, yeah, a lot of people think, oh, photography is easy. Like, and I remember a certain point in, in my years at Creative Live where, you know, the more you learn, the more you realize how nuanced and complicated things can be. And so, you know, it, it, it's kind of this arc or what have you, but it's like, yeah, you, I, I remember a moment where it was like, photography is hard. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Can be. And it's fun, isn't it? It's, it's amazing when you, when you start out, a lot of photographers start out with the, the notion that it's, it's going to be easy because you can see it, it just happens. And I, I think the, the first steps are quite easy. You can pick up a camera now and just take pictures that are correctly exposed in focus and, and look good without any effort at all. I mean, that used to be a skill when I started in photography. Just getting them in focus was a skill. Uh, so we can all get on that ladder. But what becomes harder is when you start to refine what you want to know and you start to want to become a little bit better at it. And that's really where it gets exciting and challenging because it starts with a fairly low plateau and then it sort of ramps up. It's, it's, it's really frustrating to, because you know what you want to do as a photographer. You've seen somebody do something. And you think, I want to be as good as that person. And then you try and do it and you think, actually, that person's actually quite good. <laughs> that's, that's, if you can set yourself that goal, if you can find a photographer that you think, I want to be as good as them, just try and do what they do. And you'll realize there, are, there is a lot of steps to get to that point. But you will get there. You just have to keep going forward. Well, it's funny what you were just talking about earlier about how you kind of break out and segment out videos and what have you. And I'm, and then I was going to ask you, like, what do you think makes a good educator uh, from a poor educator, a bad educator, or not, no, not good and bad, but like, what are mistakes that you see other people making when it comes to YouTube videos that are, you know, trying to teach people things. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we, we've touched on the uh, bad information being passed on without thought. I mean, go go Google or go YouTube um, uh, focal length, uh, lens compression. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. Go, go um, have a look at videos on lens compression. You'll see a lot of videos about lens compression, which doesn't exist. It's, it's, it's subject to distance compression. So there's a lot of myths that we just pass on um, without necessarily thinking. So that, that's one thing. Uh, other thing is just stuff that just doesn't necessarily work for the audience that you're talking to. So it's, it's important to understand your audience. So my audience is going to be very different to some of the other people we've had on Creative Live because they're speaking at a, a different level. They're speaking to people that are in business and they need that business-based photography advice. Or they're speaking specifically to maybe to sports photographers where they need something that is very, very specific to that niche. My audience, I know. My audience are people who are, uh, enjoy their photography either as a hobby uh, or they are a, a serious uh, hobbyist or they're maybe just starting in the world of professional photography, but they're not at that kind of level yet. So I know my audience really well and I try and tailor my, my content to them. So it's not so much that there is bad education out there. It's more a case of you getting the right education for where you are or where you're going. So I could go and watch a video um, uh, there's a great guy in the UK, Wayne Johns, uh, who does the most beautiful high-end fashion portraits. Lovely bloke. Uh, we, we get on really well. We are in different worlds. <laughs> we are in completely different worlds. And yet we're teaching roughly the same thing. So you can go and talk to two different photographers and get two different experiences. The key is discovering who works for you? So not that they're necessarily bad educators. I'm sure there are. It's just picking the ones that are right for you at your current time. That's why Creative Lives have got so many courses, isn't it? I mean, if it was easy, you'd have one course on lighting. Job done. There you go. We'd have a business course. And that would be, well, Creative Live. You could take the rest of the year off, Kenna. That would be it. <laughs> no, that's precisely it. And when you know, you do have to not only acknowledge who that person is that you're trying to speak to. And that's, again, it, it, but 
stay true to that as well uh, and stay true to yourself. Um, and everybody learns from somebody differently and, and is at a different point, you know, in their own process and journey as well. Yeah, absolutely. Just, so we did a, I did a, a great thing a few years ago. I had um, Mark Wallace. We, we both know Mark Wallace. He's a wonderful guy, a mutual friend. And he was staying over in my house. He was uh, on his many travels and he was staying here for a bit. And we decided we would go and do some photography challenges, which was just the most nuts thing we've ever done. Random, completely random things. But because we're different photographers, challenging two photographers to do the same thing was fascinating. So uh, we did some stuff in my small home studio here, which I nailed because it's my space. I own this space. This is, I know everything. I can set the camera up here, literally blindfold. I think that might've been one of the challenges. Then we went out and did some street photography. So we went down to the streets of Brighton. We've got this place just down the road from us called Brighton. It is the most cosmopolitan part of the UK. Anybody and everybody is there. It is just fantastic for street photography. I am by far the worst street photographer I have ever met. Uh, I, I lack confidence when it comes to, I mean, you ask for confidence. I cannot go up to a member of the public in the street and say, can I take your photo? So there's this, there's this wonderful video of me hiding behind book stands and with a you know 300 millimeter lens doing <laughs> street photography and then mark just walking up to strangers in the street and saying do you mind if i take your photo and them saying yes how how could he do that so yeah i mean photography is a very very broad church <laughs> well shout outs to mark wallace who is uh tuning in and uh hey mark <laughs> <laughs> and and commenting, he said, what did he say? Something about uh, when we were talking about seeing other people's videos. And he was like, well, the worst thing is when I come up with an idea and then go and see that Gavin has already done that oh, video. Oh, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that that is true. So um, I, I will do the same thing. I'll, I'll research uh, other people and see if they've see if they've done it better than me. And more often than not, a, a Mark video will come up or a Daniel video will come up. Even worse is when you, you Google an idea and then your own photo comes up. You think, oh, now, wait a minute. <laughs> Have, Have you I done, done that, that? already? I, yeah. I mean, I've, I've made hundreds and hundreds, nowhere near as many videos as Mark Wallace has made, but I've made enough videos that uh, when you Google it, occasionally your own content comes back and you've forgotten that you've done it. Um, so it's like, oh, yes, I did do that many years ago. But yeah, that... There, isn't, um, there aren't really many new ideas in photography. As photographers, we do feed off each other. And that's not a bad thing because that means we are all learning from each other and we're all taking other ideas and advancing them onwards. So it's, it's not a bad thing to do that. Occasionally, if you're doing a, quite a basic video, like, like the white background I did when, when Frank um, pulled me up on it, that, that's not an original idea. You cannot claim that as being your own unique thing. And that's where it becomes difficult to try and make that your own. So the way I do my videos now is I will come up with a final picture in mind. I'll come up with a, an idea. What do I want to shoot? So the styling, the makeup, the location. And then I'll backwards that to how can I make that into a video? So I'll often do that way around. What sort of pictures do I want to take? How can I make that educational? Or it'll work the other way around. I come up with a, a simple idea. Let's do Rembrandt lighting. Hmm, okay, that's been done. I don't know how many times Mark's done Rembrandt lighting. More than me, I suspect. How can I make mine different to his? So th there's two ways of coming at this. Both of them are, are perfectly valid. And both of them will give you unique pictures. And even if you, even if you try to copy mine or Mark's work, if you do it right, you will make it your own. Well, that's what I was going to say precisely. Like, it, we come back around to we each have our own style. We each have people that we, you know, tend to learn better from for whatever reason, or that we just, the more you learn from somebody, you know, it just, you become, you make this connection with that person in, in that, you know, you, you, you know what you're, yeah, you, you know, the, for you, you know, you know, the humor, you know, the ease of how you explain things, you know, you know, just the, the charm, the um, making learning fun, you know, seems to be what is 
a lot of things that are that are coming through um, from the comments that people are making. Um, Should I'm be fun. curious fun. though. Like I I love the fact that you guys did this street photography and 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 that you were like hiding because I think I did see that like hiding behind whatever. <sighs> oh, but were you again? We we you talked about when you feel anxious about something or, you know, you, when you're not sure how to do it and you just have to push on and push on and push on, like, have you taken, well, pre pandemic, <laughs> like, have yeah. you taken steps to try to kind of get better at approaching people on the street or, or are you just not interested in that? Because there's, those are two different mm. things. I've certainly, I've come to terms with how I can um, tackle street photography. And the way I tackle street photography is by not doing it. That's a perfect solution. That removes the, the, the stresses and strains of worrying about it. Now, I love street photography. I think there are some fantastic, candid street photographers, absolute admiration for their, their work. That's not me. <laughs> it's just not me. So if I'm doing anything on location, I like to book the location. I'll pay for the location. I don't mind. I just want to have permission to be there. It's, it's, it's just my little comfort zone, especially when you're filming a video as well. Because you, you see in the video the person with the camera. What you don't see is the person doing the filming and the audio and the bits that you know, make you stand out in the middle of a street. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm not going to become a good street photographer. Uh, I, I know that. I accept that. Um, I'm not going to become a landscape photographer or a wildlife photographer. Uh, I like being in the studio. I like the control that this gives me. That's what makes me happy. And if you're not happy in your photography, you're not doing it right. I think that's a beautiful place to end. If you're not, again, if you're not happy in your photography, if you're not happy in life, you know, in whatever it is, you're not doing it right, figure, you know, figure, and you don't have to be, that's the thing. Like, we don't all have to be street photographers, landscape photographers, <laughs> studio lighting photographers. You know, 10 years ago, I came to Creative Live thinking I had to know how to do studio lighting and I had to know how to do Photoshop in order to be a pro. 10 years later, two of the things I'm not very good at, studio lighting and Photoshop. <laughs> but that's not my photography journey. You know, just no, like no. you said, your, your street photography is not your photography journey. No, and that's no, okay. I, and I think that's an important message. Yeah. If I had to go to Cuba, you would be the person I'd hire to take me there. That's, that's it. You've got to know your skills and your levels. I would love to take you to Cuba. <laughs> you, me, Mark, let's do it. <laughs> we can film some videos for Ador Adorama. Oh, wait, we already did that. <laughs> uh, we, we could go back. We, we haven't done we it. We go, should do it. It would be different. That's right. That's right. Uh, Gavin, such a pleasure to have you on. And thank you to all of the people who have tuned in and enjoyed this conversation today. Love, again, all of the shout outs from people from all over the world. Where can people find you, follow you in all the various places? You have your own YouTube channel as well. I was going to ask you about the differences between the two, but people can go check it out themselves. How can yep. people stay in touch with you? Uh, yeah, I guess the obvious one for, for YouTube is going to be Adorama TV. That's where I'm regularly uploading. Yes, I have my own YouTube channel, which is just Gavin Hoey on YouTube. Um, you'll find less there because I spend most of my time making Adorama TV videos, not surprisingly. Uh, Instagram is the main place that I put stuff on. So on Instagram, I am the Gavin Hoey. Don't ask me why I'm the Gavin Hoey. Turns out I'm not the only Gavin Hoey in the world. That's shocking. So I am the Gavin Hoey on Instagram and my website, gavtrain.com. That'll do. Oh my gosh. Okay. Gavtrain. That's what I forgot to ask you. Where did the train part come in the Gav train? <laughs> well, it's short Gav for Gavin, train for training. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And Gavin Hoey photography training is a bit of a long type. So, um, yeah. <laughs> but for me, the train part, I always thought about it like get on the Gav train. Like, yeah. you know, you yeah. talk about like get on the whatever train, get on the Gav train. <laughs> I yeah. didn't think Something about it as training. About. As I didn't training. really think about that at the time. It's short for training. <laughs> I wanted something short and snappy. That was what was available. I booked it. There you are. Oh my gosh, that's that's awesome. I'm just I'm laughing at myself with the get on the gap train. 
Um, okay. I'm having <laughs> that you. with my ringtone. Do it again, Ken. I want to have that with my ringtone. <laughs> Get on the cab train. <laughs> but I have to do the little dance. Maybe it's a gift. Um, <sighs> once again, thank you so much, Gavin. It was a pleasure to have you on. And we hope to see you again here on Creative Life. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, yeah, take care. I'm Kenna Klosterman, and you've been listening to the We Are Photographers podcast from Creative Live. At Creative Live, we believe there's a creator in all of us. And yes, that means you. If you're looking to get fresh perspectives, inspiration, or skills to boost your hobbies, business, or life, head over to creativelive.com slash creatorpass. As a Creator Pass subscriber, you have access to over 1,500 classes on demand. Whether it's photo and video, art and design, craft, entrepreneurship, personal finance, or even yoga, there's always something new to learn on Creative Live from the world's best educators. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review We Are Photographers wherever it is you listen to podcasts. We'd love to hear from you, and a five-star review goes a long way. You can stay up to date with everything happening at Creative Live by following us on social media at Creative Live everywhere. And I'm at Kenna Klosterman on Instagram and at Kenna K Photo on Twitter. If there's anyone you want us to feature on the podcast, just send me a message. Thank you again for being part of the global Creative Live community. And I'll see you all next week for another episode of We Are Photographers. <laughs>